Welcome to the Utah Podcapalians. This is a podcast from the Diocese of Utah, where we look at our unusual church in our unusual state and some of the things that just make it, well, fun, perhaps inspirational, spiritual, whatever words you want to use. And today we have a fascinating topic. We are talking about the transition, the transition from what to what. Well, one bishop is retiring, the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi is retiring, and we have a new bishop coming in. Now, in the Episcopal Church, this is not like a one week later you get somebody new. This has been a two-year process. We've talked about it, and our guests who have been part of this process forever and ever and ever, Nancy Tanner, who is co-chair of Transition, formerly the chair president of the Standing Committee, which we'll get to why that was important, and Russ Pack, who's also co-chair of the Transition Committee. But let's start with Nancy. Okay, let's go back two years. We didn't have a bishop. Well, we did, but he announced that he was going to be retiring. Scott B. Hayashi, wonderful guy that we all loved, but it was time he felt that he, after 10 years, that's about standard for a bishop to kind of retire. What happened then, Nancy? Can you tell us? Well, first of all, uh, thank you for inviting me, Craig. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, and good to see everybody this morning. Uh, yeah, September 2019. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and um, yeah, with, uh, with Scott's announcement of his retirement, it kind of um, kicked us into a whole new um, process and procedure. And uh, we, we went through um, electing a nominating committee who spent months uh, searching and um, for the for the right uh, nominees and the right candidates, and they did a wonderful job. And um, uh, with COVID, that kind of put us uh, out several months as well. Uh, last January, uh, they announced the candidates, and then the um, transition committee took over. And you had an I election. Kind of, I've kind of moved from standing committee out of that and now am transition. Trans, I transitioned myself to the transition committee. You are, you are very brave to do that. Okay, so we had an election and uh, the electing convention, which goes back to April, and that was a long time ago. And let's have the co-chair, Russ Pack, pick us up. At that point, what happened in this electing convention? Well, it was it was an exciting time to say the least because we had an election on the first ballot, which um, which speaks volumes, I think, also in terms of the candidate. Although we had three outstanding candidates, I think it speaks volumes of sort of the uh, the, the voice of the people of the diocese in electing mm -hmm. count on the first ballot. So as soon as that happened, we we actually had folks standing by on the phone so that we could call the uh, the, um, uh, the the Episcopal Church in New York let them know that, that we had had an election and that, that, that then the process of announcing could 
occur and it also triggered the consent process. Well, now let's back up a second. You, you're leaving out the lead. Who got the election? Well, so Phyllis Spiegel did win the election on the, or did, was elected on the first ballot. And so, um, so that, that was very exciting news. And as a, at the convention, we had uh, the shepherds for each of the three candidates standing by to communicate with them back and forth as the balloting occurred. And everyone was very gracious and lovely about the election. And I think they decided, you know, it was a, a good candidate and there were other opportunities for the two remaining candidates. So when that happened, we, we made the calls of the candidates very quickly and then started uh, communicating more with Phyllis. Uh, the bishop elected, and now the bishop designate, as we call her designee, we call her this period between the time of the, actually the time of the consent, the consents received until uh, until now. So she was bishop elect for a period of time, and now she's the bishop okay. designate. So it wasn't just enough that we elected a bishop here in Utah, but then it had to go to the wider church for consents. And, and so it had to be agreed upon by a certain percentage of the House of Bishops and a certain percentage of standing committee. This was not just a, a three people applying an HR department picks your new bishop then. Uh, what did that involve to either Nancy or Russ or both of you answer? What do you mean by consents of, um, so we had uh, our nominee elected and then we said this is the election and it wasn't enough yet. And then it goes to standing committees, which means every diocese got to look at this and had to a uh, certain percentage had to agree, right? That, that's correct. The, um, the consents uh, we had to get from both uh, the standing committees uh, from the Episcopal church and the bishops. So after the election of a new bishop, uh, our standing committee is then charged with obtaining consents for the election from a majority of the standing committees. Um, the process begins, I know Russ mentioned that um, there's a phone call to the presiding bishop's office about our election. And with that call, then we can start reaching out to standing committees to get uh, the consents. At the very same time, the presiding bishop's office is reaching out to all the bishops because we need a majority of consents from the bishops as well. And um, so this is um, really, they are not, uh, so let me just back up. We have 110 dioceses, so we needed to get uh, 56 consents. Why all this? This is a lot to go through. You talk two years, you talk about a nominating committee, you talk about uh, a nominating committee that took all the applicants, and then you have an election locally, and then it goes to the wider church, it goes to all the bishops of the other diocese, it goes to all the standing committees, and then we're not even done yet. Now you're going to have a big ordination slash consecration. Why do you think this is 
What does it serve? Let's ask it that. Uh, we have to be the only church that does this. Most of them I know are good friends at the Roman Catholic Church. You could lose a bishop, you get another one. Certainly in some other churches, they, you appoint or you just have an election and it's there. Um, why do we go through all that? So um, I will say that getting consents is we're not looking for the standing committees or the bishops to say, yes, we like this person. Uh, what they're really looking for is to make sure that it was a fair and just election and that all the canonical uh, requirements were met. And uh, so it's uh, it would be easier, I think, maybe if somebody would just say, <laughs> here's your new bishop. But um, as the as Episcopalians, as part of the Episcopal Church, it's um, it's important to us that we are inclusive and that we bring together not everybody just in our diocese, but that we have got uh, we've got the whole Episcopal Church uh, right there with us in Utah. Okay, and Russ, I'm going to pick up something with you. And I kind of hinted at it that um, Nancy talks about this long involved process. And now we're not done yet. In two months, we got the, the big one, right? The big uh, ordination consecration. And so we have a bishop. She has the approval. We move up to our next step. And even in that, I know there's a point where they say, God willing, and if anybody objects, but I know that's not going to happen, right? But, but I mean, we're not there yet, but tell me, this big deal that we're going to have at the Capitol Theater that will be on September 17th, and of course, it's all public, everything in the Episcopal Church is transparent and public as much as we can. And so the uh, consecration, it's a big deal. It's festive. It's a lot of pomp and circumstances. Um, I know we're at that point, and you've been very actively involved, both you and Nancy, of course, in this whole idea of the protocol, the music, the pomp, the AV, little and big details what's going on right now? I know you're probably waiting for this podcast to end so you can get back to work on this stuff. What's going into this? It's actually a really exciting time. It's, this, this consecration is the culmination of all of the work that we've done, and I think it serves a couple of purposes. As Nancy mentioned there, the, the canons of the church that require us to go through certain processes, procedural things that must occur, and this, the consecration is one of those processes and protocol. But on the other hand, it's also this celebratory moment when everyone can join in. It's a public thing. So I see it as like a, a great, I mean, other things it may be someone's baptism or weddings or whatever we celebrate as a community. So this gives everyone a chance to be involved in this uh, consecration. And and we, we see it as a church service because it is a service. We'll, we'll have communion and the typical things that one would see at a, at an Episcopal service, but sort of bookcasing this moment in the middle in which uh, uh, questions will be asked of Phyllis and certain things will occur and she'll be given certain gifts. 
from her family and friends and from the Diocese of Utah as part of this. So it really is that time when we all come together and we support. So when we ask everyone, do we support her as bishop? Everyone will resoundingly say, yes, we will. So we've been, some of the things that people may not think about, we've had fun doing, and that is um, going to the jeweler and picking a bishop's ring that Phyllis designed herself. It's been a really fun process and her pectoral cross and what I love about those, those smaller touches is that <clears throat> she she can sort of talk about her own episcopacy and what that means in Utah. So her ring has designs with the with the mountain ranges here, and she's using like the sago lily and certain things. And she had a moment of reflection when the, before the election, and she shared publicly. So I'll I'll share. I know that she'll be fine with it. Which time she saw trees in the forest with the cross branches from sort of a U, and that was her confirmation about Utah. So her pectoral cross has been designed with that same cross branches uh, in the in the in the top of the cross. It's sort of a really pretty thing. So now we're 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 trying to engage and involve everyone, the ushers and the sacristans and the acolytes who will be part of this service, but in a very, I think again, a meaningful way for those uh, who were involved and those who will be uh, uh, attending and not necessarily involved with the service. So now we're picking the, the music with the choir, getting people from different congregations, different so across the, across the diocese of Utah, ushers from different congregations, sacristans, the same thing that we'll be using. So bringing everyone together in a way that's traditional and yet it will be Phyllis's ordination. She has a lot to say in it. And the, the church has a lot to say about what occurs also, honestly. Episcopal Church is not where you just say, here's what we would like to do. You know, like some wedding where you design your own vows. This is, this ain't that way, is it? No, that, it's been very clear to Nancy and me that this is a, using the prayer the prayer book is is this is, is what we're using. So <laughs> we've been told that very many times, right, Nancy? That's that's correct. And I know uh like the service bulletin and everything, the, everything they're putting into it, you know, the, the music, of course, it needs to uh, be checked and double checked. And uh, the presiding bishop's office has to approve the service and the service bulletin. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Now, this raises something you say it's public and we all know it is, and, and predominantly we have Episcopalians listen to this podcast, but is this the time to invite your neighbors to come down and see something that's pretty special, the uh, ordination, consecration of a bishop? You know, we, um, we want everybody to be welcome. Everybody, you know, uh, everybody's invited. Um, the invitations will be going out. We couldn't send them out until the consents, going back to the consents. So uh, they will be going out this week, both in writing and electronically. And um, I think that would be uh, very special and, and wonderful to have others other than just Episcopalians come and, uh, and be with us on this really joyful um, occasion. Well, even the cold so-called official party includes people that might not be Episcopalian, right? I mean, there's other faith leaders that are generally yeah. there, politicians. Absolutely. I like to say officials, maybe not politicians today, but uh, that kind of uh, stuff, isn't it? 
Right. Uh, civil leaders, you know, the mayor, the um, people from around our community, as well as uh, all other faith leaders will, will be with us. Yeah. They'll be invited. We hope they're with us. It seems interesting. And one thing that I know as Episcopalians, we often forget, and that is how rare this is. This is not something that just happens every year. We've been in this uh, area. We've been blessed to be part of the greater Utah area for 155 years. It seems like it was that long to select this bishop, but we've been there for <laughs> 155 years, and this is only the 12th bishop to lead our church. So I think it shows that this is a very rare occurrence, isn't it? And maybe in an Episcopalian's lifetime, three, four bishops, maybe. And, and so this is a, a, a rare occasion to have a bishop. Um, and so I think we, we need to emphasize that, that that's why we're going to such effort. And again, it's at the Capitol Theater who has the time, what time of the day it is. I know I'll probably be there all day. So I just ask, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of like in my other life, when they say, when is a newscast? And I don't really know what time. I just know I've been there all day. Uh, what, when is, when is this big deal? So it starts, starts at 11 o'clock at the Capitol Theater. We'll open the doors earlier because the choir will be rehearsing and I'll, so that I, I think that the dates and times are, you've already mentioned, but the consecration is September 17th at the Capitol Theater at 11 o'clock in the morning. The evening, the day in the evening before September 16th will be a day long uh, rehearsal and an official rehearsal late afternoon. But another important uh, date and time will be the September 16th at 7 p.m because we're having a, um, a reception rehearsal, a, re a, a rehearsal reception we're calling it, but everyone who has been involved in any way with the, uh, with the entire process, anyone who's currently involved with uh, any of the committees, uh, standing committee, diocesan council, clergy, uh, will all be invited. This also because it's a community, a community event. And those, as Nancy mentioned, part of the interfaith or the uh, civic, um, uh, community will be included as well. So this will be something that is the evening before seven o'clock at Little America. And then in the at that morning, as you mentioned, Craig, at, at eight o'clock, there are a number of ceremonial things that will occur at the hotel. There's the other bishops will be signing her her official episcopacy statement, um, the sealing wax, all of those things. And then there will be a sort of a procession by car from the Little America Hotel to the Capitol Theater and then everyone will vest and then be prepared to start at 11 o'clock. You know, you bring up something and just that one little detail, this shows the tradition of this. They use the sealing wax. And, and it's really quite cool that they use their ring, that each bishop, like you mentioned that uh, our new bishop has a ring, each one has their ring and they put it in the wax and that's their seal. You know, just like probably happened hundreds of years ago. And then that is on their official uh, uh, notice of that they have been ordained and concentrated. 
you know, related to that, was, which I think is really great for tradition, is that Phyllis is, is being very considerate of our traditions here. So one thing she's doing, and, it's, and it's, I think it also speaks to her sense of frugality and respect, is that we, we are resizing um, Bishop Carolyn Tanner Irish's vestments, some of them, so that they will, um, so we'll oh. see some of that from the, so it's, it's really a lovely sort of gesture. And so the, her, her cope, I mean, her cope and, and uh, Bishop Tanner Irish's cope will be, is being resized and her mitre, for example. So we'll see those things that, that will be on Phyllis. There's a, that's a big size difference. So it's. Yeah. And, and of course we, we pay tribute that um, Bishop uh, Carolyn Tanner Irish um, did die earlier this year, and and this is a way that in the Episcopal Church we reach back and the crozier, which is the big thing that looks like the shepherd chain type thing, those are I don't know maybe a hundred years old in our diocese. Um, there's a lot of reaching back. This is not a church that you have a new administration uh, of your bishop. It, it, there is a lot of time together. I always think of the part of the prayer book of uh, where it's with all the angels and archangels and the company of heaven, the services are done. And, and that's very true that um, the, it's in the tradition, the prayers and the presence, the heavenly presence of um, those bishops before. Now, we got a couple minutes and I, I, I can't forget the fact that we still have a bishop, but he's a great guy and really sorry to see him go, but thrilled that is that he has found where he feels his ministry has been nearly completed here in, in Utah. And that is Bishop Scott B. Hayashi. Now, he isn't forgotten either in transition, is he? And um, who wants to take what, what we're going to do with really a remarkable individual who led this diocese over a decade, really defined a wonderful sense of community, reached out into the community, did so much outside of the church to help the social justice, particularly of the marginalized in this area. What happens to how we honor him what do we do that um, makes us that we're not going to forget that we had quite a shepherd in Scott B. Uh Nancy, you start that out. Well, we are uh, certainly going to miss Bishop Scott. Uh, we're, we do have, uh, in our transition committee, we do have uh, a specific subcommittee that will be working on a celebration. I don't have the exact date yet or anything, but it will be uh, a celebration of his ministry. And I know Craig, you put together a wonderful video uh, of that, and so we will be uh, will be having that, showing that as well. Um, but that uh, information will be coming out uh, for invitation for all to, uh, you know, thank him as well. So. Um, also, traditionally, uh, we should mention that while uh, Bishop Hayashi will not be the, what we call the Bishop Dawson of our diocese, in other words, the leader of the diocese, he remains a bishop till the day he dies. And, sure. and so he still 
is a bishop. He just won't be the uh, leading bishop of Utah. And, and, and just as Carolyn Tanner Irish remained a bishop till the day she died last July. Um, but in the, in the meantime, there is a new group and a bishop has the diocesan staff, which includes myself and Brianna, who is our engineer on this uh, uh, podcast and some other business people, is the shepherd of the various clerics of our 22 churches and is the um, theological and um, liturgical leader of our church, as well as the administrator. Uh, so it is a very important position and a large position over and beyond what happens on Sundays, as they always say for clerics. Um, we got a couple minutes left, and I always like to include uh, Brianna and, and to have see if all this, that if she has any um, thoughts or uh, questions for you. And then I have one follow-up, one final. Brianna, anything? Yeah, so I think this has been such an exciting process to get to watch from the inside as well. And especially just to see Nancy and Russ, like we said, this is a very long involved process for both of you, but you both just have this fantastic positive energy that you bring to every step of it. So what has been one of your favorite parts so far of getting to be the lead on this transition? Well, thanks for going, Nancy. That's a great question because there's so many, so many great parts. It's, I have to tell you that uh, I have, it has, it's a learning experience. It might be a long process, but along the way, I have learned so much um, and met so many great people and, um, and, you know, and witnessed the Holy Spirit at work in the election. And as we, uh, you know, worked through the meet and greet and all the different steps that we take. And I am just so uh, looking forward to our September 17th, which is going, I, it's going to be just joyous and spirit filled day. It, it's going to be wonderful. And I'll just add, I, I think my, my favorite part has been, has been really, the, the generosity of folks' time and talents through this, our, our, the committees, the subcommittees and diocesan staff and all. People have just been very enthusiastic and extraordinarily supportive every time we ask anything that we people will step up and that's been great. I will tell you what I'm looking forward to though before I forget to. So Sunday morning, the 18th at the 10.30 service at the Cathedral Church when Phyllis takes her seat. So Nancy and I will be outside watching when she bangs on the door with her with her crochet to be admitted to the church. So we will be watching the service. So we have a chance. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I have to admit among many things That's we're doing. That'll be great. Yeah. I do remember when um, Bishop Hayashi came to the door, he was very enthusiastic and actually uh, uh, damaged the door. <laughs> he hit it so hard. And, and there was this like, you're supposed to knock like three times and right. <laughs> they were glad it wasn't four because <laughs> very aggressively knocked and you know it was just part of the the joy of the day right. the 150 year old cathedral did not fall down <laughs> a little dent in a giant door 
I want to ask you just to uh, finish up because ministry is so important. And that is, how has this affected your ministry as Episcopalians to have had this incredible task of leading the transition committee? Uh, since Nancy went first on the last question, we'll have Russ, Russ back. Well, I, I think for me, it emphasized the sort of the, 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 the importance of the cleric, of the, the cleric, the clergy and the laity in the church and the fact that, um, that this ministry is a combined effort and, and there is this, there is really is an equality among, among the, those two orders in the, in the church. So I, I think it reinforced that for me that there's that we're all engaged and all involved equally so. So from, from terms of, of terms of ministry, I think it's, it's important for me to see that, that there is that equality uh, among the orders or between these two orders and that the, and that, that in the church, even though the church is rapidly changing, the notion that we are still we are still the church, we are still there doing our ministry, we're still doing those things that we always have done, just not always in the same way. So I think that was my biggest observation and takeaway. Nancy, how's this changed here? You've been like Russ, a devout Episcopalian. You're you've been there to do all kinds of volunteer, both you and Russ have volunteered for everything, but in the sheer ministry, in your life as an Episcopalian reaching out, how has this changed your ministry? Um, you know, I think that uh, I've certainly become um, more um, learned of what it means to be Episcopalian. Um, I think the inclusiveness that we uh, all talk about is evident in this process. And it um, the, the ministry of just being involved and, um, and, and loving, you know, the, the spirit of all of the people um, just uh, is, has become very important to me. And, and, and certainly as we conclude this edition of the Utah Podcopalians, I have to say, and I know I speak for Brianna and for everyone on our staff, this is one of the few times I really can speak for everyone in the church, uh, which is quite a power. Huh? But I wanna say that your devotion, your dedication, both of you, has, has just been one of the remarkable things that I have been, have been blessed to work with in the transition committee. I am so proud to be part of any small little part of what I've done for transition, which is a very small part, but you folks have shown dedication, you've shown kindness, and everyone in the Episcopal Church here and those that uh, will be served by our new bishop elsewhere, which includes the National Church, the House of Bishops and everything. You, you have done so much to make this a remarkable process, to make this a loving process. And I'm so proud to 
have just been a very small part of it. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart, which I know everybody in our church really does. You, you, you've inspired us all. And with that, this has been the Utah Apocalypalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we look at our unusual church in this unusual land. And we say again, thanks to Nancy Tanner, to Russ Pack, and I'm Craig Worth, the Diocese. Thank you.